You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jan. Hey everyone, this is Michael Jammon. You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. We got a special guest for you today. If you are an indie filmmaker, an aspiring indie filmmaker, you're going to want to listen to this. You're going to want to meet Christina Beck, who I've known forever. She's an old friend, independent filmmaker, but she's all, you, she also teaches at Loyola Marymount University and the famed Stella Adler Theater, where she teaches screen, screenwriting as well as film producing. Uh, filmmaking, all that stuff. So, well, Christina, welcome to the big show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I was going to call you Mr. Jammin. It's a habit. I can't help it. It's a habit. There it is. Because that's because Christina briefly worked for me uh, uh, as an assistant for me and my partner on a show. That's and it. then I, I, did I force you to call me Mr. Jammin? Uh, it just kind <laughs> of fell into this uh, thing, you know? Yeah. No, you did not force me. You didn't force me at all. I never um, did that. But I will correct you, Mr. Jammin. So I, I actually don't teach at Stella Adler. I teach at Lee Strasberg. But I could see where you would choose oh, that. Oh, Lee Strasberg. Yeah. Just for, I would think. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, you know, they're all. They're, Lee Strasberg. Go to that one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, sadly, right. they're, they're not around on, anymore. The, but the legacies are, for sure. I haven't been to West Hollywood in forever. Yeah. And you guys, so you got your, fo- your, uh, your one sheet from. That's from Perfection. Let's talk about what some of your movies that you've done. Because Christina okay. is an indie filmmaker. She's a hustler. She makes her movies. She writes her stuff. You also, you started as an actor, right? Where, let's take me back to the beginning. You basically started, you wanted to be an actress, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I grew up here in, in Hollywood. Actually, not in Hollywood. I grew up in the Valley. Let's, let's, let's get real about that. So yeah. I like to call it the uh, the mean streets of Studio City, and um, uh-huh. although it was very different back then, I know today uh, it's a it's a it's, well, it's unaffordable. <laughs> like you can't even right. get in there. But but back in the day, uh, it was uh, it was the suburbs basically, and uh, my folks were in show business. My father was a screenwriter and an actor, and my mother was uh, an actress, a model kind of actress. She ended up um, studying in New York with some very significant people. Sandy Meisner had a full scholarship for um, the Neighborhood Playhouse, which was a big deal back in those days. But my um, my beginning with acting really started just as a kid, <laughs> you know, being extremely bored in the Valley and uh, putting on shows. You know, I was that kid. I was, I was putting on shows, arranging the stuffed animals. If we ever had company, they were held hostage to my uh, uh-huh. extravaganza. Really? Yeah, it was, it was cabaret 24-7. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, you didn't know that about me. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. also didn't know your dad was was a screenwriter. I didn't know that as well. Did he work yes, a lot? He didn't work a lot as a screenwriter. He worked a lot as an actor. So when he came out to Hollywood, he's from Texas originally, and he came out to Hollywood and like straight away got signed to William Morris, got put under contract at Universal and did um, a bunch of movies, but then he did Westerns. He was, uh, I always played the the bad guy on Bonanza and um yeah christina i didn't know you're hollywood royalty well a little bit yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) definitely the lineage is there so um yeah but he but his real love was screenwriting he didn't love Mm -hmm. acting you know he really did fall into it and and i he had a great look and he was uh a cowboy so he played a cowboy and um but he wasn't even really a cowboy he's just from texas but um But yeah, there's um, this really great story. So uh, Robert Blake, who some of us know, mm-hmm. strange stuff all around that guy. But that said, yeah. back in the 50s, he uh, was friends. My father was friends with him. And Robert Blake had a part where he had to ride a horse. And so my dad said, all right, buddy, I'll take you out. And they went to, I think, probably, well, I don't know what it's called now, but it used to be called Pickwick, which is in Burbank near, mm-hmm. near Disney. They went out over there and um, not only did he teach him how to ride a horse, he helped him like learn his lines. Like he, and because I heard this story later after my father passed, um, Robert said, you know, your father, he really, you know, he sat with me in this like tiny little apartment and he had me drill my dialogue and I got the role because of him. And 
just very sweet old school wow. Hollywood stuff like that. But um, but that said, when my father wasn't working as an actor, he was always in his it was dad's den. Type 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 type. He was always working on screenplays and and he loved writing. Yeah. Do you do you feel the same? Do you like? Do you like acting more or writing more for you? Well, are you, are you like your dad or not? No, it, yeah, no, I'm not like my dad. I, I there's bits of me that I like him, but um, you know, it's more um, acting was definitely the first bug, and um, like I said, putting on shows at home. But then I got uh, kind of lucky. I I was in the valley still, so on Venture Boulevard near Vineland, uh, there was this place called Moral Landis Dance Studio. And my mother used to go and take a jazz class there. This is the late 70s. And next door was mm. a place called the American National Academy of Performing Arts. So I kind of wandered over there and uh, at this academy place, and I ended up joining an acting class. And my very first acting class, an acting teacher, was a man uh, named Francis Letterer. And I didn't know this at the time. So I'm like nine years old, 10 years old. And he is about 80 <laughs> or maybe seven, like in his 70s. And so I joined this acting class. And then he asked me to be in the adult acting class. And I got to play all the juicy, like the bad seed and just fun stuff like that. Oh, wow. And so it turns out that later on, I found out that he was... Um, a big deal. And he was in um, Pandora's Box, the silent film starring opposite wow. Louise Brooks. And okay. he's, yeah, and he did a ton of stuff for a long time. And then he was part of the actor's studio in New York. And uh, he was um, from Eastern Europe, but came over here uh, right before the war, I think. Um, so that's when I really just was in heaven as a kid, uh, acting in this class. And then, um, I also did some commercials with my brother. We were in some commercials and then, uh, and then I became a teenager and then I became really rebellious and, uh, uh-huh. got into the LA punk rock scene and completely fell in love with music and, and and artistry. I mean, really at that time too, this was the early eighties when punk rock wasn't necessarily violent. What's so funny? What? I, Cause I can't yeah. picture you doing being into punk rock, I guess. It just, it I got pictures. I got pictures and I've, I've actually written a whole <laughs> show about it. So yeah, uh-huh. but, um, but all that to say, yeah, I mean, I was never, I wasn't like the tough punk rock chick. I was more, I liked the artistry of it. I liked the, Right. When I say that, I mean, there were a lot of like wonderful, cool artist people that I've met, mostly much older than me at the time, but they were musicians and writers and actors. And, but they were on this kind of rebellious thing where we don't need permission to do anything. Mm-hmm. We just get to be creative. And that's what I loved mostly about that whole scene. And then, yeah, there were different facets of it that were cuckoo and, and violent and, and intense and lots of drugs and lots of alcohol and lots of inappropriate stuff. And, um, but then I got cast in a movie. So now it's like my late teens and my best friend, she was, um, there's, well, there's a, there is a woman named Penelope Spheris who has mm-hmm. made films that we know of Wayne's world and, different Hollywood films. But at that time, she had made a, a documentary called The Decline of the Western Civilization, which is a really amazing film, even to this day, because she really got into that LA punk rock scene at that particular time and space. And um, it was an incredible film. And she wanted to make a narrative film. So she wrote a script and um, got it produced a, a, by a, a a furniture salesman guy and um i think uh, roger corman of course and so i got cast in that um and i like i said i was uh in my late teens and at that time i was kind of over punk rock and i was like "Eh, i don't want to it's stupid but i ended up doing it and that is where i really was like okay this is the way i want to spend the rest of my life i loved being on set and to answer your question 
it's really tricky. I love in the realm of all that we do, you know, in terms of like writing has its moments and then, you know, the pre-production, but being on set to me is definitely my favorite. And, you know, and post is a whole nother yeah. exploration, but, um, but yeah, so it was from that moment on that I was just like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I did a couple more films with Penelope and then I moved to New York city and I wanted to be a real, I also felt like, okay, I didn't really like, I need to be a real actor. Like I really, have, you know, and so. Um, like a theatrical actor. Is that why you moved well, to New York? Yeah, I mean, I love theater, and and uh, my very best friend, you might know her, Cynthia Mann. Oh, okay. Uh, Janet now. Yeah. <laughs> so we were friends. That's how I met my wife. That's how I met her. Through, I met you through her. I met you, honestly, Christina. I like That was like the first time. Like, it was really, I met you really on, like, real, real early on. But go on. When yeah. I, when I was with Cynthia, really. Yeah. Like, like I know. two or something. I know. Yeah. I know. It's so great. <laughs> um, but, so, but go on and try. But so Cynthia yeah. uh, was in New York, and so and you know we would at that time for me I felt like I really wanted to study and be a serious actor because I come from more of a film background. I, I you know, I, I did study a bit with Francis, and um, but I really wanted to sort of pay my dues as an actor and. And I did. I, I studied with a bunch of different great people. I auditioned for everything that was there at the time. And tell me, what? I'm going to interrupt for a second. Hold yeah. up, but tell yeah. me what your thoughts are the difference between acting for film or television and acting for the stage. Well, in my experience, and what I'm also kind of revisiting lately, it's well, when, you, when you're acting in film, it's very subtle. You know, we have, there's a camera and the camera picks up everything. And so when you're on stage, you are playing to the back row, you know, people in the back right. need to see and, and understand what's going on. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a very, it's very different. And some, I think most actors can do both, you know, some are, I guess, more comfortable doing one or the other. Um, but when you well, study and you train, are you, do you sometimes study specifically or did you specifically for film versus? No, no, I no. didn't. No. Are, there, I don't mean, are there classes like that? Like, you know, just for yeah. fun? Yeah, there's like on camera classes where people, uh -huh. you know, it's for auditions, I think, but also to get to practice sort of what you, what, how you come off on, on camera. Um yeah, I don't, I never did that. <laughs> I never, right. yeah, I never really did that. But, um, but I, you know, here's a weird, maybe creepy thing. Like ever since I was a kid though, I always felt like there was a camera on me, <laughs> you know, like there, like I would visualize, I could almost disassociate a little bit. This is a psychological thing here, but I, I felt I would kind of like imagine like walking to school what would it be like if this character was walking to school? Like I almost was above myself a little bit watching myself. So, and that's a weird thing to say, because actually when you're acting in a film, you really shouldn't be watching yourself, but that's where I am also a director. So, so in other words, you were visualizing, <clears throat> visualizing like how you would have, how you would shoot yourself or is it more of like, an, yeah. was it more yeah. of a fantasy thing or like how, how would I appear on, how would I want to shoot myself if I was walking down the street? Yeah. It's more the, that one, like it, 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 it of course a little bit of fantasy, you know, but mm. it was escapism, but it was also like, I was sort of able to take myself, you know, little Christina walking to school fifth grade out of it and see it from this other angle. And I don't know what that's about, but I do now. I because I see things that way all the time. Really, how you how you would shoot it? Where you would place the camera? Mm -hmm. Right. Or where? So or many, where yeah. is the? Yeah, <laughs> like where is the camera? Yeah, yeah. And it's such a funny thing because we live in a world now where everyone has a phone and everyone is documenting, everyone is shooting themselves, and and that's it's a little different, but it's I guess it's similar in a way. Um, did you yeah. have film equipment when you were that young? I well, mean, my dad, we really didn't. yeah, no, my dad did. My dad made some super eight films and, uh, and uh -huh. we, and actually, yeah, we did a lot of home movies when I was little. So I was used to with being, sound. Uh, no, 
no sound. No, it's no interesting. Sound. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, being tied up on a tree and then my brother coming up on a horse and all sorts of me crying. Wow. Yeah, I got it. I got it wow. all. Wow. <laughs> and then yeah. so after New York, so how long were you in New York? Three years. I was there for three years. And then what made you decide to come back? Well, I wrote a play. And um, and that's kind of what happened. So I'm in New York. I'm studying. I'm auditioning for everything. Film, there was, I remember that there was one year where I really went out for everything that was shot in New York or anywhere around there and uh, didn't get anything. And, um, and at the time I was studying with a woman at Playwrights Horizons who was a writer and an actress. And she said, listen, you guys really should start writing, writing characters that you feel you could play or just, mm -hmm. you know, more of an empowerment in terms of, you know, instead of waiting around for everyone to give you a role, write something. So right. a bunch of us did, and it really started out by writing monologues. So I wrote, a, like I was in a group of women and we formed a little theater company. And so we wrote characters and monologues for these characters. And then we put it up and, um, and that was really great. And then I got an how idea. Did you, but don't skip that step. How did you put it up? Like how do people stage plays? Well, you, at that time, that. <laughs> at that time, which was a long time ago, um, we raised a little bit of money, kind of similar to a lot of independent film stuff, but we raised a little money, family and friends type of thing. We actually uh, did it at the Samuel Beckett Theater, which was where um, Playwrights Horizon, I think they're still there on 42nd Street, I think okay. 8th and 9th, 42nd Street. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, and we put it up for a weekend and we got reviewed and we got in the, you know, it was, it was great. It was super fun. And it also felt like I started to feel more complete as stuff that I could do. Like as an actress, I always kind of, I didn't like, I don't like waiting around. I don't, I didn't like waiting right. for, I just felt like mm, I have more to do. And and I was always journaling and stuff as a kid and as I got in my teens. And so writing to me didn't feel that far off from what I was already right. doing. And coming into it as an actor, I knew I've read enough plays and I've read enough um, monologues to kind of understand how to write in that form. So I ended up, um, or I would, I, when I was living in New York, I'd come back to LA and visit um, in the summers because summers are horrific in manhattan yeah. so uh i i there were some musicians that i met that were doing some kind of cool stuff and this one guy uh played he had a kind of a character that he did and so i wrote a play i it, it kind of inspired me to write this play about him he was playing a lounge singer and these and he and his friend had this group and there was kind of like rock and roll stuff, but then they would go into a lounge sort of thing. And I thought, Oh, that would be funny to, what would it be like if these lounge singers had a kid and like, you know, like tried right. to live their life. And um, it was a little autobiographical. The father's alcoholic and the, the, the mother's sort of obsessed with her beauty and, so these themes started to come up in my work. So I wrote this full length play and um, there was music in it too. And then we also had, we shot some video footage. So it was sort of like a multimedia thing. So I, right. I kind of had to come back to LA to do that. Right. So you and, staged it. Yes. I didn't direct it. So I wrote it and I starred in it, but uh, a friend of mine, uh, this woman named Modi who I met from the punk rock days, but also she was uh, Penelope's assistant on some of the film stuff mm -hmm. I worked on with her um, and was a video director in her own right. And so she came in and she directed it and it was great. It was amazing. It was And how did you fun. even get the theater to, to put it up? We raised a little bit of money and then uh, we got producers and they put you it up. You got, what do you mean? How does that work? You got producers, what does that <laughs> well, mean? Yeah. So, uh, the woman who played my mother in this is a, an amazing singer, artist, actor. Her name is Jane Cotillion. And so she loved the play. And she said, oh, 
I know this guy, Billy DeMota, and he's a casting director and, and maybe he could produce it. And he did. Mm -hmm. This is so, this is just from being out here, just from like, honestly, just meeting people, being in circles, taking acting classes. And mm -hmm. because that's the thing about LA, everyone's trying to do something, you know? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, now because of zoom and different things in the world and and there's so much more accessibility uh i think it's possible to collaborate and not be here but all that said especially at that time it, you had to be here and i i do think it's still important to be in the place where you want to be if you can you know um but and these people i knew so like i knew about the guy, his name is Manny Chevrolet, and he was, he and his friend had this act, and they were opening up for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I knew them from Suburbia, which was the movie I did with Penelope, I knew Flea, and so it was kind of a group of people that I already knew, and then the musical director is this guy named Tree, who's good friends with Flea, and, you know, like, they were just, like, all these people that kind of organically came on board. Interesting. Mm. And tell me, but how do you, because you're also obviously, you've written and directed and produced a bunch of movies, indie movies. Some are short, some are full you know, full length. How? But how do you go about, all right, so you work on the script. How long do you work on the script and, and when do you know it's done? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and then everything, every project's a little bit different. So with short films, mm -hmm. um, well, I'm, I'm teaching a course right now, so I feel like I, I already have this in my mind. Short film mm -hmm. is one idea, you know, and and that right. script can take a long time to write. It's not easy to write a short film because basically yeah. you're trying to squeeze in this one idea in a way that has a beginning, middle and end. Right. So it's not you don't have the luxury of necessarily three acts, but you you kind of have to but have how, this. How long is it? How long is a short for you? Well. Okay, so that's another great question because my I, what I have learned now, I think a sweet spot for a short is anywhere from ten to twelve minutes. Okay, I think if you can if you can do it in a shorter amount of time, even better, because okay. depending on what you want to do with it. So there's a whole film festival world, which is pretty much the best place for your shorts to be seen if you can get them produced. So it's a matter of programming these films, right? So if you have a film that's 20, 25 minutes, it that obviously takes up more time. And, and they most film festivals, they program the short films in a block. So they're literally trying to pack in as many as they can and good ones, you know? And, and it's all different too, because the Academy um, nominated films, they can be up to 40 minutes. So, but even but I when guess, you say program, when they're looking for blocks, like what is their intention? Well, they're showcasing. What, I mean, do you, you have to understand that right as well, right? Like, how does the film? How does the film festival? How do they make money so that they would want you? Right? Well, that's a whole other thing, you know. So there's different kind of aspects to that. So there's short films that are star driven, meaning you can put a a star, a name in it. Now, mm. that always brings money and cachet to a festival um but it's not a it's it's you can make a great short film and not have a star in it is really what i want to say because mm. a, a good short film is something that has a very original idea again it's short enough where you want more basically and it's not like making a feature and then you know picking a scene from the feature and making a short out of it sometimes you can create, you know, characters or create a separate script. Like, so I made a short film for Fox Searchlight. I got in this new director's program with a feature mm -hmm. script and they would not let us, you know, just take a, a scene from the feature. They were like, no, 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 you have to, you have to make a whole, a short on its own. And, uh, but, you know, with the same characters and the same relative premise, um, so that's kind of how I learned about that trap. But to answer your question, um, the short films that get noticed at festivals or, or can even get into a festival 
are ones that are very um, authentic to whatever the genre is and and the, the writer's vision. You know, like what, what are they, what are you talking about? Is it something, and that's also a weird trap too, because as a writer, you know, I don't want to be thinking about a festival, you know what I mean? That's way down the line, but, um, but it's, it's, it, you kind of have to live in both of those realities in a way, because if you want, if this is a calling card as a writer or as a director of, of indie films, you have, it's good to keep in mind, okay, I'm not going to write a 45 minute short film and expect it to be programmed. It, that's, that would set myself up to fail. If I can write. When you say programmed, you mean, what do you mean by programmed? Like, but, are they going to play for that weekend? Yeah. So on a, in a film festival, they, they have a program of films. They have, whether the festival is a week long or a weekend, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what festival it is. But for instance, let's just say Sundance, it's, it's, I believe a week. So um, there's some pretty intense uh, statistics um, that I just found out from a friend of mine. So they had the largest amount of submissions of short films this past year than ever, like over 10,000 short films. And they wow. only program 59 films. So, wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, and, and, you know, and Sundance is wonderful and amazing. And if you can get in, great. It's not the only festival. There's a gazillion festivals and anyone is, is, is a great experience to get in and go to and, and have that festival experience. But to answer your question about programming, mm-hmm. are we there? Yeah. Um, yeah. They, the, the people that program the festivals are people that watch the films and decide, okay, in our, we have a, you know, three short film programs, A, B, and C, this is just making this up, but, but it's kind of how they do it. We have 30 minutes in each block. So I got to squeeze, you know, I could, it all depends. You know, sometimes there's a film that's a little longer, but they, they really like it. So they're going to put that in there and then there's less room for other films. Mm Mm-hmm. And how much does it cost to uh, submit to a festival usually? It varies. It definitely varies. And it varies sometimes. They have early uh, submissions that are always a little cheaper. Also, um, depending on, uh, you can always ask for a waiver. Sometimes they give them to you. Sometimes they don't. Um, so it, it can be anywhere from twenty bucks to seventy-five to one hundred and fifty bucks. It definitely can add okay. up. Um, and do you? How many? When you make a film, how many festivals will you submit to? Again, that all depends. Um, there's there's certain festivals that you can target for. Uh, again, there's like the big sort of five seven festivals uh, you know sundance in berlin and Cannes, and uh um uh toronto um telluride uh and then yeah those are kind of the biggies but then there's everything that tears down from there so um yeah it can get very expensive and super daunting and that's a whole other conversation. The film festival world—it's—it's it's huge. It's a big. Now, let's say you game. get into a festival, into a big prestigious one. Like, what is the what is the goal eventually? I mean, and what and, and how? Yeah, what is the goal? You got you know your short, your eight minute film, is in Sundance. What are you hoping? Right. Right. Well, you're you're hoping for eyes on the film, and and that's a really also interesting question that you asked because back when those festivals, like, especially like Sundance is a very different festival today than it was when it first started as most things are, but you know, those, that would be the eyes, like all the, everyone would be there and, and you would get, you know, and, and you would just get the cachet of like, this is a Sundance film. It would give you opportunities to meet agents. And, you know, if you don't mm-hmm. have representation, it'll help with that. And it's still, those things can still happen. But now you can get eyes on your film on the internet. You know, like you, you can generate that if, if that's right. what you really want, if that's your goal. So, you know, 
we need those things, but we don't as much anymore. It's a very different business today. But, uh, but initially, yeah, you want to get eyes on your film, people to see your work, hire you for more stuff. I mean, that seems... And when you say on the internet, you mean like YouTube or Vimeo? Sure. Or like, is there a, yeah. What's the platform? Both? Yeah, I think YouTube is... I don't know if Vimeo... Um, I don't know how many people, I mean, you can certainly send people there, but I think YouTube is right. a little um, more. Yeah. Right. People are fine. right. And so, and, but what, and what do you tell your kids in your class today? Like, do you tell them, are you telling them to do more on social media or like a TikTok or what, like what, yeah. what else are you telling to get found? Well, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm more talking about the actual craft of the work, whether it's directing or, right. or screenwriting, you know, I don't, I didn't come up with all of that, you know, in terms of my work as, as a writer director. Um, when I made my feature, I was very fortunate to, uh, I, I submitted the script to uh well i got into that fox searchlight program which no longer exists but there are mm -hmm. other programs there's lots of diversity programs different studios have programs for emerging writers and uh in that one mm -hmm. at the time i was one of two women there were all men there was like 40 men and two women and nowadays <laughs> it's it's definitely evened out a lot um but all that to yeah. say that helped with, oh, she was in that program. So let's take a look at her script. And then I, I submitted to uh, an organization in New York called the IFP, which now is called Gotham, but they do the spirit awards and, um, and filmmaker magazine, mm -hmm. which is something that I started reading very early on. And um, I got uh, nominated for best screenplay. So from that, I got on their radar. So it's it's kind of just taking steps to be seen. It's always about people knowing what you're doing and what your what your vision is for this work. Do you go to a lot of film festivals, even when you're not in them? Did you go just to to watch or to meet people or anything? I do in town. Yeah, in LA, I will. I mean, I I went to right. Berlin when I, I didn't have anything in Berlin, sadly, but I was there. I was there for a meeting with some European producers and, and then just happened to watch some amazing films. Film festivals are great because you meet like-minded people, whether it's people in the industry, but also you meet other filmmakers, other writers, other directors, people that are, you know, maybe a little above you. Maybe you've done a little more than them. But it's um, it's mm -hmm. a really cool because the energy at most festivals. Like I went to Cannes, um, God, when was it? Two thousand six. I was trying to get my feature made, and I was very naive. I made a short. I made a short film version of my feature, and I went to Cannes, and I had my DVDs, and I had my little you know pitch idea and. And I didn't really know that these meetings that they have, because there's a film market. Some festivals have a film market, and that's that's always really great. Berlin, Cannes has one. Um, there's a film market here at AFM. Kind of different energy, though, for sure. But in Cannes, it was like, oh, my God. it was I was so lost. I was just like, what am I doing here? It was It was amazing, and it was horrible. And it was like that, like within each hour, you know, I just felt like I was in such a, I was so over my head and yet uh. really cool, wonderful things happened. And I met people there that I'm still in touch with today. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. People ask me this a lot. But do you find from, from, your, from where you are that it's that right meeting writers and actors and directors, do you feel like it's like um, collaborative or is it competitive? Well, I think it's collaborative, you know, I, and you mm -hmm. can kind of sniff out people that are competitive. You know, it, I, I've been in a, quite a few groups of women, especially. So mm -hmm. back um, 
a couple, when my, when my first short film screened with the American Cinematheque, not my very first short film, but the first short that I directed, um, and I met a woman there um, named Kim Edelman, and she's amazing. She's written a book about short films. She's incredible, and she supports a lot of female directors, and her and this guy named Andrew Crane created a program at the Cinematheque, and so through that, we 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 made this uh, thing called the Female Filmmaking Collective. And so we would bring other women directors. And this was kind of, well, this was like 15, 16 years ago. And then there's been other women's like filmmaking groups, the Film Fatales. I'm a member of the AWD, the Alliance of Women Directors. So all that to say, there's, for the most part, the energy is very much like, yay, how can I help you? And then there's a few people that are, you know, like anywhere in the world, you know, it is, it's mm. their personalities, you know, the spirit of, I try to stay in the spirit of that there's enough for all of us, you know, because otherwise I just, that makes me uptight and I don't want to yeah. be uptight, but, um, but definitely, yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't write with other people. I haven't yet. I've kind of tried mm. to in different increments, but it just hasn't, quite felt right but I do like collaborating for sure and especially filmmaking you know when you're actually getting in production that's like all about collaboration especially with a good DP do you know do, what do you mm. what are you shooting what do you like to shoot on or do you care that much what kind of camera well I like <clears throat> things to look like film <laughs> I mm. mean we shot my first short that I wrote Disco Man that was shot on 16 and um my DP, I found him at USC Film School, and um, mm. he's a he's a really good friend. And we just shot something this last spring, so that was a long time ago. He became chair of the film school that I teach at now. But all that oh, wow. to say, yeah, again, it's the people that you meet here, you meet them there. It's it's you know we're all still here, um, yeah, and and still love filmmaking. So. Um, so that said, my DP for uh, Perfection, my feature, his name's Robert Poswell, and he's amazing because <laughs> this guy, not only is he super talented, we shot that film for two years on the weekends, two and a half years. Wow. So, wow. you know, to get someone to like literally, okay, we got a little more money, Rob, come over, we got to shoot this other, you know, we would... And then a lot of times just he and I would like jump on a bus and I'd borrow a camera from a friend. We, we had prime lenses, which uh, if you put that on um, digital cameras, it gives a more cinematic look. So mm -hmm. um, we had those for a while. Like we shot that film literally in four different formats, meaning four different cameras. And, um, and I Did you recently... find it matched okay? Did it, you know, did, it did. did it kind of, it did. It worked for the film. I don't know. Like recently someone asked to see it, this wonderful DP that I was talking to. He lives in, in France and I felt a little self-conscious because I'm like, oh my God, he's going to see like how, you know, and he's like, oh, it's shot so beautifully. And I'm like, wow. All right. You know, nobody knows. Yeah. All this, <laughs> yeah. You don't, but, yeah um, you don't, why you don't have to worry about that stuff. Well, and do, what about, you know, uh, it's got to be in focus. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And sound is a big you, deal too. For sure. Absolutely. That's what it's huge. It's hugely important. If you can't hear it right. But what about, um, like how concerned are you when you shoot the stuff like, you know, crossing the line or where to play the mm. cameras? Are you relying on your DP for that? Like making sure that, you know, you don't have these jump cuts because the characters looking the wrong way. And... Yeah. You, is yeah, that your concern sure. or you let the DP handle that? Well, because so far I've been mostly acting in the stuff that I've shot. I definitely mm -hmm. rely on uh, my DP as well as my script supervisor. Mm -hmm. And right. I mean, I can tell myself a week when we're setting up a shot and then sometimes you can cross that line and it's okay. It's not going to be an editing nightmare, but you sort of have to gauge it. And I don't make those kind of decisions by myself. And I really do rely so much on my DP and my scripty right. because um, it's, you know, it's that funny thing. Like for me, what, the reason I became a director in film was because I made a short that I, another sh different short besides Disco Man, 
um, that it's called Blow Me. And, um, and I didn't direct it. And I did a, a lot of directorial stuff on that project. And my director at the time was busy with other things. And so we weren't really able to finish the film for a long time. And um, actually my co-star was an editor as well. So we kind of, he kind of got the film and he edited it and we worked on it together. And, and what I learned, and this goes back to the film festival thing, right? So in film, you know, director has the say in everything in terms of, you know, how uh, final, final say on, on music and different stuff. And being a screenwriter and an actor and even a producer, I didn't have the same um, access to the vision that I had. So, um, right. so I thought, ooh, I, I need to direct this stuff. <laughs> So yeah, that's how that shifted. How do you go about? But how do you go about fundraising? You know, for all this stuff, and what and what kind of budget do you usually try to get? Well, it's it's tricky. That's the hardest part, you know. And I just was at a film festival here in LA. It's the um, American French Film Festival. They have it every year at the DGA. And I was listening to a panel of producers and directors and from Europe and the UK and uh, Los Angeles. And you know, the the thing is those foreign countries, they have film funding built into their system, you know, literally the government. And uh, there are different types of ways that those, like more character-driven films, this is what I'm pretty much more interested in, um, what we would call art house films. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially right now, there's just this huge divide, which is very Mm -hmm. much like the whole world that we're in right now right so there's tiny budgets and huge budgets and the middle-sized budget isn't really around anymore there's there's no support for it and it's happening in europe too right now so i was listening to you know to see like okay are they going through it too so that said yeah there's different ways and i would say for first-time directors you know that are making a feature or short film for the first time crowdfunding's great there's amazing platforms. I did that with a company called Seed and Spark, and they were really supportive and helpful. And, you know, we, we hustled. Wait, what do they do? What, they, what do they do that's better than putting it up on, you know, what, some crowdfunding site? Well, they are a crowdfunding site. But what but they... Why, why not just, yeah, why not just use your own, I don't know, what's the difference between well, GoFundMe or whatever? Well, I don't, yeah. I get well. GoFundMe, I thought was more for donations. They, they, uh, yeah. So there's there's fiscal sponsorship, which is something you need so that people that are donating to your project get an actual tax write off that's properly done. So you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they help curate, and they have a platform. I mean, look. you've written the thing you're doing all this work are you going to set up a website so people can give you money so that and like maybe you can maybe you're really good at that um Mm. places like uh well indiegogo and kickstarter and i mentioned seed and spark because they're someone that i did it with but all those places they have it they've already it's like why reinvent the wheel they've done all that work so literally you can just send people there they take a small percentage of whatever you get And um, different platforms have different things. I don't know. I know there's one that if you don't make your goal, then you don't get any of the money. So I didn't do that one. <laughs> but um, right. but going back to someone who's starting out and wants to make something a short or a feature and hasn't already exhausted their family and friends, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Also, there's grants. Right. And, um, right. and those aren't easy to come by. But they're 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 there and um depending on you know there's different um places there's like in san francisco there's the san francisco film society has very uh specific grants for people that shoot in the bay area and a lot of films Mm. have gotten made through that grant they give a significant amount of money and um so there's it's there's there are ways and it's not easy. I mean, really, ideally, a private investor is great, and there's going to be a loss. So now, 
most of the indie films and you know these aren't absolutes and i'm not an expert i'm just speaking from my own experience but an indie film may not get a theatrical release i did not with my feature what i did get is um i got the theatrical experience in film festivals and i was lucky to be programmed in los angeles through the american cinematheque and i got to see my film at the Egyptian theater, which was heaven. Yeah. And you were there. there for that. You yeah. were there. So, you know, yeah. it's like, and, and now it's available to stream. So, you know, most projects go to streaming and huge projects go to streaming now. So it's, we're just in this very where, different is it, world. Where is it playing? As, where is it streaming now? On Tubby, Tubby. <laughs> and um, to, this, this is yeah. per, Perfectionist. Which one is? Yes. Perfection. Which, which, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And all that's on my website. <clears throat> Christina Beck.com. Christina Beck.com. Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm, wow. That's mm-hmm. interesting. But yeah. this and is, my and shorts so, are on there too. All your shorts. But, and what do you, is there a down, like going, getting to a big festival, that's got to be a game changer, but can a little festival help you? Well, yes, because again, you see your film on a big screen, you see your mm-hmm. film with an audience, you meet other filmmakers. Um, and yeah, I, I, as you know, Mr. Jammin, everything in this business is is preparation and luck, right? So you're honing your craft, mm-hmm. you're doing what you love. There's no like slam dunk guarantee, even with the bigger festivals. Like I know people that have gotten right. into huge festivals and, and got big representation and then like a year later, nothing. You know, so it's like, nothing. Yeah. yeah, it's, I guess... I always say to my students, you know, pick stories that you love, pick stories that you feel like you have to tell, because you're going to be Mm -hmm. living with that story and pitching that story way beyond the script. You know, you're going to be pitching it for grants. You're going to be pitching it for festivals. You're going to be pitching it for people to watch it online. You're forever pitching these stories. But, you know, to, to say something visually, um, is powerful. I think it can change minds and hearts. So I come to it with that and it is frustrating. I have a feature that I wrote last year that I have not made yet. We shot a few scenes in the spring with some of my students and uh, my first DP, Mikhail, um, to kind of see where it lands and and figure out like, do we want to do a crowdfunding thing? Do we want to try to get a grant? Like where? And, um, and I still, I don't know. Uh, honestly, I don't know if I have the um, bandwidth to uh, go through that hustle for getting financing right now. Right now. Um, because right, I'm so busy if you, doing well, if not that, Oh, well, I was going to say, if, if not that, then what? You know? Well, right. I, well, I mean, you know, look, ideally, if we were all... Um, uh, Henry Jaglum or somebody who has a trust fund, you know, independent mm. filmmaking is for people that have a trust fund, basically. Or or can or can crowdfund, right? Or can, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm teasing, right? Yeah, you yeah. Mm-hmm. How many when you shoot? How many how many people on set? Do, how many crew members do you want to have? Like, what's your skeleton crew? My skeleton is like probably twelve people. That I'm surprised it's that big. So who? That's a, well. Let's walk oh, through. You, you got a script it, supervisor, it DP. First. Yeah. Okay. Scripty, DP, AC, uh, sound mixer, boom, um, makeup, hair. That could be one person. Uh, but, but, who right. am I forgetting? Producer, of course. Um, um, You're going to want someone with the lights. Well, right. Lights. Gaffer, grip. Um, then we have. How many uh, cameras are you rolling at once? Oh, one. <laughs> yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this isn't like TV. But I did actually. I made a short film with three <laughs> cameras once. I did that right. one. I did for Searchlight. Yeah, that's true. But that okay. was a weird. People were like, "Why did you do that?" But that's still not even near twelve. That might be. I don't know. I lost count. But well, I'm, I'm missing so. people. I'm on the spot here. I'm trying to think. I'm totally missing people. I mean, there's craft service. Right. Oh, my God. I'm That's probably missing like the most important people. person. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyways, yeah, ten to twelve. It just adds up. PA, you need a PA. You need, you know. Yeah. Yes, but yes, you can you, do it with five people too. I've done it with three. I mean, you are you can pulling do it. any permits, or are you just well, are you shooting that. in days? There's that. Um, I do permits when I am renting equipment, and I have to. And I've also completely gorillaed so many things. Wait, if you have, why do you have to have a permit if you have if you rent equipment? Do they require? Because that? yeah, you have to have insurance, and there's Film uh -huh. LA, and yeah, there's a whole thing that needs to happen. Yeah, people gotta get paid off. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just it's, kind of a yeah. It's it's hard, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's hard. It's a hustle, but you do it because you love doing it, right? Yes, yes, that is right. true. That is true. And, and how many scripts do you have? That are that are just sitting around that are you you know eh, I guess I won't even try with that one or you know yeah I know that breaks my heart because I was at a, a a ratio of of um, at one point having everything produced I was like I never I don't I never, everything's been produced but now I've produced, yeah. I've written more scripts <laughs> I was like yeah so yeah I have probably but not a ton I have a couple features and I and I've written a few series and. Um, so yeah, not yet, not yet. But what about just something that you could do? No, we'll wrap it up because I don't want to keep it too long. But what about okay. doing something where you could just shoot it in your, you know, in your apartment, like write it specifically for yes. your apartment? Yeah. Well, I would still need to get permission from my landlord. I'd still need to really? get equipment. Yeah, because you can't shoot without permission if you want to have insurance, and you have to have insurance. Now look, my my feature perfection in my old apartment, I actually did have permission from my landlord, but um but we shot so much of it just really run and gun. Right. And right. that can be done. That can have but you still I you know, and also I want to pay people. I'm at a place where I can't ask people to work for free. Now, if it's your first project and stuff, I I encourage everybody to ask people to work for free if if you treat them well and if they're newbies mm. too and it's like a, a shared experience of discovery and stuff and they feel connected to the work and you feed them well you got to feed them well you got to give them some but food. it seems like you you have the perfect person for that because you have a bunch of students who want to just get their names on stuff that's true that's true yeah yeah well that's and these yeah and i would probably and i'm and i probably will end up shooting this feature with and look my students are amazing. They are so talented and professional mm -hmm. when I get on their set. So this year I've had two students cast me in their, in their short films. So I got mm -hmm. to show up really? at, yeah, as an actor. That's on these. Fun. Well, it's great because I was talking to the other film professors because we just, you know, we, we, you know, we work with them on the scripts and we sign off the scripts and then they go off and shoot. So they're, these, they're kind of, they're on their own. They're unchaperoned. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they come right. back and bring, and we work on the edit and stuff, but we don't know what really goes on in those sets. So I was saying to this other um, professor the other day, I'm like, yeah, I was there. Like I got to be there and see what, and the truth is there, these students are wildly professional and I wouldn't really honestly want to work with anyone else, but them, they are so wow. good. So, um, yeah, you know, someone called me up a student. I don't want to say where they needed like a 50 year old man. Now I don't play 50. We all know that I play <laughs> mid thirties. Of course. But, yeah. But I was like, all right. And I'm like, I didn't really want to do it. I was like, all right. And then he goes a couple, a couple weeks later. He's like, um, he's like, yeah, well, um, we're going to need you to read. <laughs> I was oh like, I I'm offer only. <laughs> I'm oh, out. <laughs> my God. I didn't want well it that bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> but I think so that funny. was part of the experience that they wanted to have was like yeah. they wanted they wanted actors like ah, I'm not reading, dude. <laughs> that's great. That's well, funny. you know they're, they're they're trying out their stuff. I guess who knows in terms of out. yeah, but wrong guy. They they got the wrong yeah. guy with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm offer only. That's right. That's right, Mr. Jammin. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, all right. This is so fascinating because, like, I, this is a world I know nothing about. This whole people, because mm -hmm. people ask me all the time, you know, hey, I got India. Don't I don't know. That's Christina. So, where <laughs> does people? Where do people follow Christina back on? How do they? How do they learn more about what you're doing? 
Well, like I said, my website and then um, my give it uh, to again. So they... okay, it's Christina Beck dot com. There you and, go. And uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm on Instagram, Xtina Beck. And uh, what, what, what do you mean? Wait, Xtina. What? How do you spell that? X T I N A. Oh. oh, it says Xtina. Yeah. I don't know why you said Ina. I'll, we'll work on this later. Okay. okay. <laughs> Put a little thing up there. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, I just want to say, lastly, you know, I am so not an expert on this. Please. I've been just finding my way as I go. But, like, you know, mm. you, I've watched other writers like the path is just it's just not a straight line you know and i think to right. stay connected to purpose right and like okay i feel like i got to tell certain stories and you know when i talk to my students about this okay why why do you have to tell this story and we ask ourselves those questions you know and why now and all those things which in as far as indie film goes I feel like we're in a little bit of a dip right now where the character-driven independent films, at least in America, are not being celebrated as they once were. And mm -hmm. I believe that that'll shift. And I talk, I've talked to many people about this. And, you know, we've gone through so many different, you know, you can look back in the 1970s where Paramount was like, studios were making beautiful character driven mm -hmm. films, you know, and I don't Anymore. know if we'll ever go back to that. But I do think, um, like you said, you can have a tiny crew and you could make something I could make something in my living room. Absolutely. And one of my favorite filmmakers is a woman named Barbara Loden. She sadly passed away a long time ago. She was an actress. She actually was married to Illy Kazan. And uh, she made a film called Wanda. And it's an amazing film uh, and it's, you can find it online. It's on the Criterion channel and different places like that. But she had a tiny crew. She had like maybe six people. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people besides the tax write-off, they, they want to contribute. They want to be a part of it. You know, they want to be a part of this like passion storytelling. Yeah. What were you but sometimes they also want to, they want to give you their notes, right? Well, yeah, sometimes that money doesn't comes with strength. Yeah. Or here's the other thing. Yeah. Find an actor who really wants a great part that has some dough that wants to co-produce or something. And you guys can collaborate on that and you can write something mm -hmm. that's really great for them that they would never get cast in. I, you know, there's a you lot of different ways. That's a great idea. That's a great yeah. idea. You recommended to me to watch Thunder Road. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That? The short. And I loved it. it. That yeah. and I love and I didn't realize I didn't realize it was actually I watched a scene from it, but it was actually I guess a feature or whatever. But I, the scene stood on its own. I go, this is a beautiful. It wasn't it wasn't short, but uh, it was a beautiful scene. You know. Oh, so you watched from the feature? Eight minutes low. Or did you watch the short film? Yeah, yeah. Because I just I think you gave me the link to Vimeo or something. Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah. And I just watched that one church scene where yeah, he was like yeah, sobbing That's it. over. Yes. Yeah. That guy is amazing. He's, he's the real yeah. deal. He's a, that's a guy to follow. Cause he's, yeah. he's Joe independent film. He, Jim is his name actually. <laughs> and, uh, and he, yeah. he just, he makes stuff and he works as an actor. He'll do commercials, whatever. And then he'll take that money. And that's what Cassavetes did. You know, Cassavetes made, you know, whatever he was working in television stuff. He wasn't crazy about. And then he would take that money and then he would just, like make the films he wanted to make. So it's, it, maybe it hasn't changed at all. You know, it, it, it just goes back to that thing again, where if you have this story, you got to tell. And, you know, and it does start what with What kind of script. stories do you feel you have to tell? Well, you I know? keep, I feel like I almost keep telling the same story. But I, I okay. really love- Different versions of it. That's right. That's right. As I get older, I get these different perspectives of it. But uh I do. I love. Uh, I love the story of of people, characters that have uh, perceived limitations or real ones, and they slowly find their way out of that predicament. And 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I like happy endings. I like to mm-hmm. see the journey of someone sort of starting off in a place where they don't feel uh, right and they get mm-hmm. a little better. Right. And you, just, and you said, before I cut you off, you're like, it all starts, like the, the focus has to be on the script, right? Absolutely. It's all about the script. That's the blueprint. That is the blueprint, yeah. you know, especially if you're shooting with no money and no time and because you don't have the luxury and, and we never have the luxury. You see it all the time in any budget level. But the truth is, you know, the script really is, is the, everything starts there. That's how you get anybody on board. That's how you mm-hmm. can refer, you know, if, if a DP, you know, who's maybe a great DP and wants to do something small because he loves the story or he loves the subject matter and that script should be tight and ready to shoot. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. And because you could shoot something and you get the biggest crew and the biggest budget and it looks like a movie, but <laughs> if the script sucks, so what? No, it's not yeah. going to want to watch it, but right. it may look like a movie. So what? Yeah. You yeah, know? that's right. And then it won't get programmed really in festivals because there's so much competition. I just mm. think that, thing that we kind of all know you know make it a personal story it doesn't have to be autobiographical but make it something that you really connect to or a topic that really you do have some experience in that you can bring something that maybe we haven't seen yet or we haven't seen from that angle like you said you know that's yeah that's the stuff that's really gold like i love that thunder road short it's such a great example Mm. of a guy who just took a very, very simple premise. And the other kind of novelty of that short is he shot it in one take, which is pretty cool. You know, that's not easy to do. That's not easy, but so, but, but so, I mean, but so what, you know what I'm saying? He did it and that's a novelty, but, but as you pointed that out, I forgot. I, I like the yeah. story of it. I well, that's the thing. You shouldn't be looking at it like, oh, where's the cut? You know, no, right. we want to be engaged. And, and that was very engaging. And that was a very yeah. personal story. I mean, I don't know about his personal story, but I know that I felt that in his work. Yeah. 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 It's, all, it, it's all about that. It's all about being vulnerable and about sharing something that's that only you can do. Right. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, it's there's too there's too many topics now, you know, that people are dealing with in terms that need to like voices that need to be heard in the world. I believe. Yeah. You know. Yep. And, um, and yeah, this is a powerful way to get our voices out. But that means writing. So that's what I think. Because everyone's looking for a diverse voices and voices mm-hmm. that have been underrepresented. So that means writing about your, I think, your, your experience. That's what we want from you. Well, I think so, too. That's yeah. your shot. You yeah. Know? I think so, too. Like, no one can, like, steal your idea, you know, because that's a whole thing, too. Like, sometimes we're like, oh, no, you know, someone's going to steal this idea. Well, there's, you know, there's not that many uh ideas really when you think about it right the same story over and over i'm still mm-hmm. telling the story of someone overcoming you know I, I love characters that overcome their limitation or their perceived limitations or their backgrounds i come from alcoholism and all sorts of other things and and mm. you know that doesn't mean uh that i'm going to keep getting it on the nose with those topics but it informs the way I look at the world growing up in that environment. Yeah. And, um, right. and today I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But when I started writing, I was still very uh, tortured by that. So, mm-hmm. but keeping it, that process of keeping it personal and, and having that point of view with those circumstances um, makes it only something that I can say. I, Christina, I think I think everyone should start taking your class. Your, one of your, <laughs> okay. either, your either your classes, yeah. but the LMU yeah, okay. one is a little difficult. That's they have to yeah. enroll, but yeah, but the other yeah. one, uh, yeah. Well, uh, yes, yeah, or different. yeah. I mean, I'm also I do workshops too sometimes. So oh, you do private workshops? Mm-hmm. I like, do like screenwriting workshops, and is that on your we, website as well? Yeah, not right now, <laughs> but it was. Oh, but yeah. how would that but, basically work? Okay. Well, I've like, worked. 
so I've done like six weeks workshops where we really start off with like, okay, what's the story you want to tell that's most personal to you? And so it's literally creating uh, a character or you or, you know, that story uh, from the point of view of the storyteller and the steps to take, whether it would turn into a series or a short film or a feature or a play. And it's six weeks and it meets once a week or something? Correct. That sounds really good. How many people are in that yeah. course or like at a time? Well, it's at different times. I've, it's been it's usually pretty intimate, you know, not a ton of people, mm -hmm. but now we can do stuff on Zoom, which is great. Right. So, so wow. That, that, sounds yeah. like some, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. People should yeah. check you out. You better put that up once, you're, once this. I guess I, <laughs> I guess I better do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Wow. But, uh, okay, but yeah. tell people where to find that again. So in case that you, in case you make that happen, that sounds like a oh, really yeah. cool thing. Oh, thanks. Yes. Uh, Christina Beck.com. Christina mm -hmm. Beck.com. Christina, true. thank you so much for, for, you know, joining me here. This is a good talk. I thought this uh, was really helpful. Thanks, Mr. Now Kim. I want to be an independent filmmaker. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> No, you don't. <laughs> if, if you want to make money. No, there are some that make money. There are some that make money. Right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Wow. But um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's so fun to talk with you, Mr. Jammin. Always. Yeah, thank you. Always. Thank you. I'm going to sign up. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. And um, yeah, for make sure you get on my free weekly newsletter at michaeljammin.com slash watch list. What else we got to talk about? Uh we have a course. Yeah, we can, talk, we can check out my course at michaeljammin.com slash course. And if this, if we post this in time, I don't know, but I'll be doing two shows in Boston, November 12th and 13th from a paper orchestra. It's my stage reading. And then two shows in December, December 10th and 11th. And for tickets, go to michaeljammin.com slash live. All right. Thank you again, Christina. Wonderful. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks I'll, for asking. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael. One more thing. Come see me perform. I'm going to be in Boston area, actually Amesbury, Massachusetts on November 12th and 13th uh, at the Actor Studio performing my show, A Paper Orchestra. Uh, and then I'm going to be back in Los Angeles on December 10th and 11th, again, at the Moving Arts Theater Company. So tickets are on sale. Go get them at michaeljammin.com slash live. It's a small, intimate venue. I'm going to be performing from my collection of personal essays, and each one's going to be followed by like a 20-minute Q&A. We get to talk about the work. It's a fun event. So I hope to see you there. Go get them. Tickets, again, are at michaeljammin.com slash live. And, of course, sign up to my weekly newsletter. That's called The Watchlist at michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.